This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, April 15th, 2012. Re-Eastering. Yeah, Easter keeps happening. Or the way we're going to say that this morning, re-Eastering. That's our focus today, re-Eastering. Good morning, Connection Church. Good morning. My name's Alan Jones. Normally, my wife Carrie is here next to me if you're new. Uh, we share the message, but she's away this weekend. She is uh, part of a team that's leading a retreat for um, teenage girls uh, called uh, Chrysalis Weekend down at Camp Pocomath. There's uh, about 25 uh, adult and youth leading a weekend, and there's like 19 young ladies who are getting closer to Christ. Amen? Amen. And um, actually, uh, six of those 19 are from this congregation here. And the girls from all over, all over, all over the county, all Maryland and Eastern Shore, Maryland, all over the place are down there. And it's just a glorious weekend. But uh, keep them in prayer, if you would, please, because uh, they still have uh, <clears throat> several hours to go today down there. But that being said, uh, normally we are here together, and uh, we are two sinners who've been saved by the uh, grace of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Will you pray with me, please? Holy God, I just thank you for the, wow, the magnificent day you've placed before us. Wow. I pray that we'll use this day for your glory in some way, that in, in, when we're outside, we're just reminded of, of you and we can praise you in the midst of just the sunshine and the glorious day. I pray for those on that weekend. I pray for those girls that they'll be ever closer to you. And I pray for each one here this morning. I pray that through this time together, through your word, we will know you like we haven't known you before, that we will realize your very presence in our lives, that we'll know that Christ is risen and we'll know the Holy Spirit is here with us this morning. We thank you. We praise you. And all the Connection Church said, Amen. Amen. So last Sunday, Easter, wow. To me, anyway, it seems like a long time ago. Easter, we said hope is here when the disciples found the empty tomb. When the disciples realized that Jesus had risen from the grave. In John's account, last week, we we spent a lot of time in, in Mark, Mark's version where Mark had written about this. You know, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament. Talk a lot from Mark, but today we, we're going to look right now a little bit from John, some differences in the accounts. In John's account of the events of Easter morning, in addition to the empty tomb, we have an eyewitness encounter with the risen Christ right there at the grave. In John's telling of the Easter story, Mary Magdalene, now she was a very close follower of Jesus. She was not one of the twelve, but still a disciple, a follower of Christ. She goes to the tomb Easter morning, and as she looks in, she sees two angels in white sitting where Jesus had been laid out. And the angels ask why she's crying, and she says, well, they've taken my Lord, and I don't know where they've put him. And then she turned, and Scripture tells us she turned, and she saw Jesus. She looked right at Jesus, the risen Christ. But then it says she didn't recognize him. Isn't that wild? That's kind of strange, isn't it? Be looking right at him and not recognize him. Uh, how could that happen? She's looking right at him. Uh, I don't know. Maybe she wasn't expecting to see him. I know the other day I was at McDonald's and, 
and this and this girl was waiting get my uh, order. I usually go early Sunday to get a little nourishment before the before the morning's event. But and and this girl, I'm going, gosh, she looks familiar. Well, then a couple hours later, duh, I don't know. I mean, she's from this congregation. Of course, I'm not. Ex- I, I hadn't. I didn't know she worked with. I wasn't expecting her. Right. Plus, she looked five years older than I remember. Of course, that happens with me. You know. Kids are 18. I'm still thinking they're 12. You know, it's um, bad with those kind of things. But anyway, I wasn't expecting her at McDonald's. Maybe, maybe Mary wasn't expecting to see the risen Christ. Maybe she figured he's dead, he's gone. Uh, or, or maybe, <laughs> maybe when we resurrect, we look different. I'm counting on that one. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm counting on it. I'm getting a new body. I'm getting a whole new look. In that resurrection, and maybe that's what happened to Jesus. Maybe he didn't look the same. Or maybe the sun was in her eyes. You know, it was early morning. Maybe she wasn't quite awake, and the sun's glaring. Maybe she didn't have her shades on. I don't know. Whatever reason, she didn't know who she was talking with. In fact, Jesus, he asked her why she's crying and, and who she's looking for, and she's thinking he's the gardener. She's thinking he's the caretaker of the place. And so she says this, she says, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I, and I will get him. And then Jesus said to her, Mary. One word. One word. Mary. And she turned and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. That's pretty wild, isn't it? All he had to do was one word. He just called her by name, and she recognized him. And, and, and she realized <clears throat> that he was truly alive. This wasn't just an empty tomb, that he was alive. She had living proof of the hope that that empty tomb pointed to that we talked about last Sunday. She had it right there in front of her. Now, in Luke's telling of the story, there's a, there's, a, there's a story about Easter morning that we don't find in any of the other three tellings. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Mark's telling. We have a, a story of two men going to the village of Emmaus. It's kind of interesting. That weekend that carries on is called Christmas for kids. There's an adult version of that called the Walk to Emmaus. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Well, that, this is where that comes from. These two guys are they're followers of Jesus. They were disciples. And, and after, after the events of the day, they're walking back to their hometown, seven miles from Jerusalem, a little town called Emmaus. And, and they were talking to each other about all the things that had happened in Jerusalem the past few days, you know, where they'd arrested Jesus, they'd beaten him, they'd hung him on a cross, he died, buried him, and, and all those events they were talking about. And as they were talking, the resurrected Jesus comes up and starts walking with them. Now, that'd be pretty wild, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That would be really well. And just like what happened to Mary, Scripture tells us they didn't recognize him. Again, who knows why, but they didn't recognize him. And he asked them what they were talking about. And here's what the Scripture says. The Scripture says, They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleophas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened here these, there in these days? What things, Jesus asked, 
And so the two guys uh, proceed to share with Jesus all the happenings of the last few days there in Jerusalem. And in their midst of the telling, they share this. And, and as I share this, see if you can just hear, if you can feel the kind of the hopelessness in their voices. They say this, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They, they went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. They must not have talked to Mary. <laughs> Do you hear that, what they said, though? But we had hoped. He was the one who was going to redeem. We had hoped. They'd basically given up hope here, hadn't they? Their hope's gone. They, they'd hoped he was the redeemer, but even they knew about the, the, the empty tomb, they, they're headed home thinking that's over and done with. He's gone. Hope is gone. We had hoped he was the one. What they didn't say was apparently he wasn't, at least in their minds. Well, Jesus continues to walk with them, uh, and, and he shares with them all the Scripture. Like, like basically, Jesus says, don't you guys get it here? Let me, let, let me recount all the stuff that we're pointing to what was going to happen. And he goes through all the old Scriptures. And when they get close to the village, it looks like Jesus is going to keep walking, and they invite him to come in and share a little bit more time with them. So he goes in, and when they were at the table together, we're told that he took bread, he gave thanks... He broke it and gave it to them. Sounds real familiar to something we do here once a month, doesn't it? The Holy Communion. He took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. And the Scripture says their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. <laughs> and he disappeared from their sight. <laughs> That'd be pretty wild. Oh, hi. Ooh, go on. <laughs> pretty wild. <laughs> you know, if we... Um, not to be jumping around, but each of these accounts has something that the other ones don't. So it's important to kind of get them and see what they all say. If we go back to John's account of the life of Jesus, and it, it tells us that later that day, in other words, I think it's also almost evening time, that first Easter day, the disciples were gathered together in a room with the doors locked. They were afraid. They saw what happened to Jesus. They're, they're scared to death of what's going to happen to them. So they locked the door. And Jesus, it says, it says he came and stood among them. That must have been pretty wild. Didn't say he unlocked the door. And he says this, he says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And when Jesus is in our midst, fear takes a holiday. Peace is there. Peace be with you. And then he shows them his hands and his feet where the nails had been. And they were overjoyed to see him because they too had thought it was over. Now it tells us Thomas. Now, you know his nickname. His nickname is, you guys are good. Doubting Thomas. And Thomas wasn't with Now, Scripture doesn't call him Doubting Thomas. We've added that over the years. But Thomas wasn't with him, so they told him about what happened. They filled him in on this whole deal. And he said he would not believe unless he himself could see the nail marks in his hands, <coughs> could his finger, finger, put his finger where the nails were, and his hand where the sword had pierced his side. He wants proof, doesn't he? 
hands on, finger in the hole, hand in the side proof that this is Jesus. A week later, I love how Jesus delivers. <laughs> a week later, they're all again gathered in that same locked again. This time, Thomas is with them, and here's what happened. John 20, 26 through 29. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Doesn't say he unlocked the door. He just walked in, walked through. And he said again, say it with me, peace be with you. Isn't that calming? Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, <laughs> put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. It doesn't tell us that Thomas did any of those things, does it? Wow. What it does say is this. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Wow. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I think he's talking to all y'all. Amen. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. You know, in the days and weeks that followed that first Easter morning, Jesus appeared over and over again to people. According to Paul in 1 Corinthians 16, 15, verse 6, Jesus appeared to over 500 people after he resurrected from the grave and before he, here's the, uh, the Bible word, ascended or was drawn up to heaven by God to sit at his right hand through all eternity. For that brief period from his resurrection to the ascension, he, over 500 people saw him. Eyewitness accounts. What I find fascinating about all this is how people who knew Jesus often didn't recognize him, as we've seen at first. And then they came to recognize him, but in very different ways. I always marvel at how Jesus meets us right where we are and gives us just what we need and, 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 and um, reveals himself in a different fashion for each of us, depending on who we are, where we are, what's going on. For Mary, she recognized him once he spoke to her, once he spoke her name. For, for the guys on the road to Emmaus, they recognized him when he broke the bread with them, right? Um, for Thomas, he, he recognized Jesus when Jesus gave him the opportunity to touch him, to really touch him in order to satisfy his need for proof. In all the cases, Easter wasn't a one-time thing, was it? There at the tomb that Easter morning. Easter kept happening over and over again as Jesus revealed himself to people in very different ways, allowing them to see that he did resurrect, and that he does, in fact, live. Easter kept happening. It's a case of, as we're saying today, say it with me, re-Eastering. I know it's a made-up word. I made it up. I like making up words. Hoping you remember it. Say it with me again. Re-Eastering. I'll bet you remember that next week. Re-Eastering. You got to have that little hyphen. Otherwise, it's just re-Eastering. That doesn't make sense. It's got to be re-Eastering. Be re-Eastering. It didn't stop when he ascended into heaven. 
the redeeming power, the saving power, the the power that Jesus has to be a part and change our lives is as much alive today as it was there that Easter morning and in the days that followed. As much as today as when he revealed himself to Mary, to those guys on the road, to Thomas and the disciples and all the other 500 people. Easter keeps happening today as it did then. We keep having a re-Eastering because Jesus is alive. <clears throat> he lives, and because he lives, re-Eastering takes place. You know that season leading up to Easter in the church we call it Lent, L-E-N-T? comes from a word that means to lengthen because the days are getting longer in the springtime. Lent. And during Lent, we say we have this um, fasting. A lot of people give. Did anybody give anything up for Lent this year? I, I give up my typical liver and Brussels sprouts. I, I, I always give it up. It's a real sad. And I just can't wait for Easter so I can you know, dive in again. But, you know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, anyway. But you count from Ash Wednesday, which is the beginning of Lent to Easter Sunday, and you'll probably come up with like 47 days. You go, wait a minute, I thought it was 40. Well, maybe it's supposed to be around, you know, 40 is like a a number that we often see in the church. Maybe, Maybe, no, it's 40. See, what happens is you're not supposed to count Sundays because, see, Sundays aren't fast days, they're feast days. It's a one letter difference from fasting to feasting because Sundays are considered many Easter's. It's a day of celebration. It's not a day of, it's a day we celebrate. We feast. Now, the challenge is if you give something up for Lent, you probably just want to give it up because it's hard to give it up, take it back, give it up, take it back. But that's why we only count 40, not 47 days in that period. But I'd like to suggest something to you today. I don't think just Sundays are many Easter's. I think every day is a many Easter. Every day is a mini Easter. Every day is a celebration of that empty tomb. Every day is a day of resurrection, a day that we recognize not only did Jesus resurrect, but he lives even today. Every day, every hour, every minute, every second. Easter keeps happening over and over again. We are constantly re-Eastering. Say it with me, re-Eastering. You're going to have that take go with you today before you leave. Re-Eastering, reliving over and over and over again the fact that Jesus lives. Isn't it interesting how Jesus makes himself known to us very much like he did back on that first Easter morning? Because sometimes we know that Jesus is alive because he calls us by name. Amen? Now, some of you have been called. Some of you may have had an audible call. Some maybe it wasn't audible. For me, he calls me by name. It's more of an in-here kind of thing. I don't hear it. I get a a gut feel. But I know it's me because it's my gut. (laughs) So he's calling me by name. He's calling Alan. And maybe, well, I know some of your stories. And so I know that's true for many of you. Yeah. Just like with Mary. <laughs> or perhaps um, you know he's alive in the breaking of the bread. Maybe it's in communion on a Holy Communion. I know many of you, Holy Communion is like, wow, you, you know Jesus very much alive. 
But some of us, it's also when we break bread in our homes, with our families, with friends. If we break bread together, we know that Jesus is very much alive in our lives and the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we see him. And again, I know many of your stories, and I know that's true too there. And maybe others of you have had that Thomas experience. Probably most of us at one time or another had that need for proof. Can I get an amen on that? Where, where you needed somehow, Jesus, show me. <laughs> Reminds me of a BC comic from years ago. There's this like 100 ton weight comes down and on the front of it says, I'm up here. <laughs> you know, the thing is, even when God says, I'm up here, when Christ says, I'm alive, you're going, prove it one more time. <laughs> Jesus could be right there saying, here, touch me. He's saying, uh, can you give me a little bit more? It's funny. But we need that Thomas thing. We want to see those. We want to put our finger right in. Kind of sounds of gross. Put your hand in this side wound there. But that, sometimes that's what we want. To. We want to be sure of the reality of this Jesus guy that we talk about. We, we, we got to know. And again, I know many of your stories. And I know that Jesus has given you that proof in one way or another. That he's very much alive, as alive as he was on Easter morning. I, in my life, uh, Jesus has let me know he's alive in all these ways and in many others. As I said, he's called me by name <laughs> in the gut there. And, and uh, I very much see the living Christ both during Holy Communion and with I've had the opportunity to break bread with some of you. I see him very much alive. And and also the hands-on proof. I was, it's funny, this week I, I was sharing with a couple different people at different times uh, about when I was first feeling I was being called into ministry. And uh, I was in a process of Methodist Church where you kind of, they kind of walk you through to see if it's really like ordained minister or not. And I was having lunch with a pastor friend who was also doing some counseling with me. And he said, so Alan, what's it going to take? What's it going to take for you to know that God's calling you to ministry? I said, well, I don't know, maybe some affirmation. I know when Carrie was called, she there was affirmation. Well, I no sooner had that out of my lips, and it's like I, a faucet got turned on. It was unbelievable. I was on an appointment. Uh, I was still in the insurance business. I was on an appointment with this couple, an older couple. He'd been a Wesleyan pastor, and then he'd, they'd been missionaries overseas, and then he was teaching, I think it was at Del Tech or something, and we're sitting there, and, um, and I'm, here's what ha- kept happening. Usually, I would, like, chat a little bit, and then we'd talk about insur- your insurance, and we'd get a policy written up, and then we'd sit back and kind of relax. Well, I find myself more and more, the insurance paperwork's over here, and we're just talking about church and stuff like that, and you do that too much, you're going to starve to death if you're trying to sell insurance, you know? But anyway, that's what's happening. And so we're talking about church, talking about how Carrie had gone in. And they didn't know me from Adam. It was the first time I ever met him. Talking about how Carrie had gone into ministry and all this kind of stuff. And, and she says to me, she says, so when are you going to follow your wife into ministry? I went, wow, what? <laughs> and then her husband says, what's it going to take? I said, well, that's pretty wild. That's exactly what somebody asked me earlier this week. And then, and then um, the, the, somebody I had heard who I don't even know 
had somehow caught wind that I was looking at exploring ministry and had shared that I was going into ministry. Well, it wasn't a done deal, but I didn't want my family and friends to find out from somebody else. So I thought, I guess I better share with them what I'm going through, you know, what's going on here. So I, I, I said to my younger sister, Susan, I said, Susan, I'm, I'm thinking about going into ministry. And she says, well, I've expected that since we were kids. <laughs> wow. And then I shared with Carrie's sister, Laura. Now, Laura, years before I had had the opportunity to, to uh, speak at my home church, the church I grew up in, uh, when the pastor was gone, I got to give a message and also a children's message. And <laughs> the children's message is the one that everybody always gets. <laughs> and, and it really touched Carrie's sister, I mean, in a kind of a life-changing way. God used that little message about seeds to really do some cool stuff for Lauren. And so I shared with Lauren. I said, Lauren, I'm thinking of going into ministry. She said, uh, what took you so long? And then I share with my father-in-law, oh, he's went through it before because when I went from teaching into insurance, I said, uh, Lou, I'm, gonna, I'm changing careers. He says, well, good luck. I wouldn't want to go in sales, but I'm, you know, I'll, I'll be supportive of you, whatever. So this day, I think it was around Thanksgiving, I said, Lou, I'm, I'm thinking about a career change. And all he says was, well, let me and Sandy, that was his wife, let me and Sandy uh, write down what we think it's going to be. Okay. So they write it down. They hand it to me. One had written minister and one wrote ministry. Oh, wow. That's pretty wild. You see over and over. It wasn't uh, holes in, in the side, but basically it was saying, geez, I need, some, I need something. I need some affirmation. I need some proof. This is where you're leading me. And you see how over and over and over it's just like, what do you need, Alan? I mean, how much do you want? Come on. He gave me a whole lot more. I won't. For the sake of time, you all want to get to lunch here sometime. I won't go. But I could give you, I could give you several more. Like, Alan, you, tell me how much you want. I'll, I'll keep feeding it to you. It's pretty wild. Over and over again. Resurrected Jesus, give me proof. Just like he gave Thomas proof. Not only of his existence, but of his agape love for me and for everybody else. You know, when God works in our lives like this, we know Jesus lives, don't we? But the thing, it's not just in our lives, but it's through our lives. It's an important thing to remember this morning. When re-eastering takes place, it just doesn't stop here, but it's intended to kind of go through us. When we have the opportunity to be the hands and the feet and the voice and the listening ear of Jesus, we're reminded that he lives. We have proof that re-eastering is taking place, not just in us, but through us. When we invite a stranger to church, when we reach out to the poor, when we visit somebody who's sick or in prison, this sounds like the things Jesus told us to do, doesn't it? When we visit somebody who's sick or in prison, when we when we raise money and awareness of someone with cancer, maybe like that Relay for Life thing that a lot of people here do. When we give away clothing and coats to those who otherwise wouldn't have them. When we, when we give a bag of food, you know, we have a thing here where you can fill a bag and leave it in case somebody needs food. When we give away a bag of food that somebody's collected up here. Or when we take our time to listen, to offer a word of hope and help to bring that peace that Jesus talks about when we help to bring that peace to someone who's troubled. 
when we run or walk in a 5K to help supply a net for a kid who lives the other side of the world so that he'll be protected from a mosquito that might bring death. When we simply say to someone who seems to be having a really bad day, week, month, or year, how are you doing? When those things take place, we're in the midst of re-Eastering. Easter is happening over and over and over again as the risen, living Christ lives in me and you and through us. In those cases, the living Christ uses us to call out the name, uses us to break the bread, uses us to offer proof that Jesus is in fact uh, not only risen from the dead, but continues to live at the right hand of God the Father in heaven through all eternity. He lives in you and he lives in me and he lives through us. Re-Eastering takes place every time where the hands, feet, voice, or listening ears of the resurrected Savior of the world. If you have time today, talk to them about that. About being a his hands, feet, lips, ears, as he lives. Take time to think about this whole re-eastering and how it is happening through you. Because Easter's not a one-time phenomenon. It's not something that happened years, 2,000 years ago, and was over and done. The redeeming power that came about on that first Easter when Jesus rose from the dead, rose from the dead is as alive today as it was on that very first Easter morning. Easter keeps happening. Every day is a day of re-Eastering. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy God, oh, thanks. Thanks that um, Jesus, you, you visit us where, where we need to be visited. You, you reach us each individually. Allow us to know that you're alive and that not only do you live in us, but you live through us. Please help us to be open to how you're calling us to share you with others so that they might also know that you're alive. We pray these things in your name and the power of your Holy Spirit. All Connection Church said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers. Thank you.